Today's story, boys and girls, is about Wendon Doss, the multitasking, multi-user MS-DOS clone from the 1980s that you probably haven't heard a whole lot about when people talk about the history of DOS and operating systems. But the history of this particular system and the systems around it are absolutely fascinating, and it is a it is a monumental travesty of epic proportions that this does not get talked about more, because what a small team of people pulled off in the mid to late 1980s is nothing short of technical freaking wizardry. And we're going to talk about that today. I just published this article over on the Lunduke Journal, lunduke.substack.com. So you can go read it, check out all the all the, the shots. I've got pictures and scans of articles and advertisements from Byte Magazine and Dr. Dobbs. And I mean, this is this one took a while uh, because I talked with the original engineer of Wendon Doss and I'd spent a long time just digging through Every piece of of publicated, publicated of published data at all about Wendon Doss, which which took a long time, and it amazes me how little coverage this amazing system has gotten. Oh yeah. Anyway, so go go to lunduke.substack.com and subscribe. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not say that something awesome happened. You know, so we have this this thing in the Lunduke Journal uh, that is called the founding member subscribers. And the idea behind it is it's a more expensive, fancy pants tier of subscriptions. And the more people that subscribe in the fancy pants tier, the lower the cost of the average subscription to the Lunduke Journal gets, right? Well, uh, enough people joined the fancy pants tier. <laughs> Maybe we should have called it the fancy pants tier instead of founding member. Founding member sounded really like like fancy, you know, but fancy pants is directly fancy. Anyway, enough happened, enough joined up that way that we actually were able to reduce the cost of the annual subscription to 10 bucks. For a whole year, which translates to what is that? 80, 80 something cents, 80, uh, 83 cents a month. <laughs> oh man. With how uh, there's so many perks. There's uh, it's 10 books, 10 eBooks and counting. Um, there's, um, a bunch of like premier premium videos up there like Linux sucks 2022 and some other stuff. And I'm adding some more things from the back catalog there as well. Uh, there's all the exclusive articles and podcast episodes. There's four video games for Linux and DOS. Uh, <laughs> there's 24 seven access to the BBS, all this stuff for, 83 cents a month. I mean, that's crazy. That's insane. So thank you to all of the founding members who pitched in and helped get that cost way down. And if you've been on the fence, go subscribe now. Join the hordes of nerds that subscribe to the Lunduke Journal. Become part of the army obsessed with the delights of historical computer stuff and alternative operating systems and Unix and Linux and all the things about computers that make us smile. Join! Join now, I say! All right, let's talk about wind and dust. So I'm going to read a little bit of this article. I'm going to kind of jump around a bit. And I have some additional things I want to talk about as well. Uh, first thing I want to say is this is not what I originally envisioned for this article. I've chopped the article that I originally started writing into three 
parts. Uh, because the more I started talking about it, the more I realized that there's a number of different stories here. Uh, and, and the first one is really the introduction, how Wendon Doss came to be, uh, how Steve Jones, you know, had the idea for it all and, and how it all how it all worked out. And so uh, we're going to start with that. But the systems that I'm about to talk about are truly fascinating and worth diving into more. Uh, so there's going to be two follow-up articles that are just going to be more hands-on with Wendon DOS as well as PC Unix and uh, PC VMS, uh, which we're going to we're going to go into a little bit here. All right, so back in 1987, an MS-DOS compatible operating system debuted. Despite a truly impressive and fascinating feature set, it has all but lost, been lost to history. And that is, of course, Wendon DOS. This wasn't some simple DOS clone either. Wendon DOS was multitasking, multi-user. It was a multi-user DOS, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just ridiculous. With the ability to run individual applications in movable windows. Yet sadly, there is almost no information available on the history and the development of this fascinating system. So let's remedy that. I managed to track down the developer of Wendon DOS, one Steve Jones, to find out as much as I could about the history of this system. So the Wendon DOS story begins, as so many stories are wont to do with a young nerd playing with computers in high school and these are these are steve jones's words here the moment i saw an asr 33 teletype i knew what i wanted to do <laughs> every great story should start with that right <laughs> the moment i saw an an atari pet uh, or a commodore pet did i just say atari pet holy heavens the moment I wouldn't that have been cool though? Like anyway, the moment I saw an ASR ASR thirty three teletype, I knew what I wanted to do. In high school, I spent more time programming a Univac seventy seven, which was an IBM three sixty clone, than anything else. Studied the operating system, wrote a disassembler to reveal how it worked, and wrote a bunch of system oriented software for it. In college, I got a job with the Academic Computing Center and studied its operating system as well as the up-and-coming Vax VMS. And I started learning about what Dave Cutler was doing and wished I could work with him. So uh, a little background here. Dave Cutler is a is a legend i mean he to to, to put it mildly um uh, so dave cutler is one of the engineers that got brought us vms uh, and honestly i should almost do an entire an entire article just talking about some of the interesting things dave cutler has done and then a follow-up article with all the interesting things he's said because dave cutler is a fascinating man uh, and he said some truly really <laughs> some great stuff man he is no fan of unix let me tell you what anyway but he, he gave us vms which is amazing and later on he led the the nt project the project that would ultimately become nt uh big 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 guy in the operating system world now okay so so steve so back to steve let's talk about steve here steve jones uh, Steve was out of school and things started getting a little interesting, right? Um, so what ended up happening is he, he had an idea and what he wanted to do was he got together with his brother, Greg, and they cloned VMS, right? So they cloned VMS for IBM compatible PCs. And basically what they came up with was a system that was a PC version of VMS, a PC VMS clone, but it also had a DOS compatibility layer on top of it, right? 
Uh, so it was kind of a, a kind of a cool and interesting operating system. I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit here. Uh, if you want to read the full thing, go over to the go over to the read the article. Uh, but uh, I'm going to talk about a couple other specific spots here. Now, now this is where things in my mind get really fascinating. Um, we're about to talk about something called the operating system toolbox, and it is just let me read let me read this quote here from Steve. We got the idea to just replace the shell and utilities to make other operating systems. And this is, they're talking about this on top of the VMS clone that they'd already created. All right, he continues. PC Unix, later renamed to PCNX when AT&T sent us a letter. I would have loved to see what the contents of that letter was. <laughs> I just have a funny feeling that... the. <laughs> I mean, I have no, I don't, I've never seen the letter. He hasn't described the letter to me in any detail other than what I'm reading to you here. Uh, but it just, it feels like there was a content to that letter that was less than pleasant. Um, anyway, uh, and finally stripped them off to create operating system toolbox, which was just the source in a toolkit that people could use to create their own shell and utilities around the kernel. We ended up selling about 400 copies of each of these things a month, as I recall, in response to ads in Dr. Dobbs, Byte, Embedded System Programming, and a few others. Now, I'm not sure if that all clicked with you guys, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to focus on this here. A kit for building operating systems that they derived from the VMS clone operating system that they built, upon which they built a Unix clone for PCs. So a, a IBM-compatible PC Unix clone that was at least in part open source. The source code was available for the significant system portions of a Unix clone for IBM PC compatibles. This was in 1986. This was half a decade before Linux. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. The work that these guys were doing. Uh, I mean, it, 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 no one else came. Uh, it, oh, my heavens. How, how, how was this not huge? Uh, just massive, massive. So uh, again, full five years before Linus started Linux, these guys built a multi-user, multitasking, <laughs> IBM PC compatible Unix clone and an entire system that with significant open source components at the very least for <laughs> for building your own system on top of it. Amazing, amazing, and it had DOS compatibility. Holy heavens! Uh, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I've got some really great advertisements here in the article. Go go to lunduke.substack.com and read the article. You need to read the article to see the, the pictures of this. It's just it's just incredible. Um, so now, now this little company really, as far as I can tell, had three real engineers, three of them. The Jones brothers, uh, Steve and Greg, and, and one other gentleman whose name is... Oh, shoot. Uh, I had it right here. Scott, uh, a gentleman named Scott. Uh, so they were building that. Now here, I'm going to continue. This is this is where it gets all dossy. Quote, <laughs> quote, with so many people wanting an alternative to MS-DOS, one that was bootable from a disk, but and not just runnable from a as a program from DOS. We did a, another round of development and created Wendon DOS, quote, the DOS of the future. 
We were able to demonstrate running real DOS apps in overlapping character-oriented windows as well as screen groups a la the up-and-coming Microsoft OS 2. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't have a lot of screenshots from back in the day, but I did manage to find an InfoWorld article from November of 1987 that contained a screenshot of Wendendos, which was available for 99 bucks back then. Uh, and people were getting kind of interested. I mean, this is pretty fascinating. Um, I'm going to skip out. There, there, there's some nice anecdotes in here about how they, they tested it all out. Uh, the, the two brothers, and it sounds like at least one other person from the company, went down to the West Coast Computer Fair back in 1987. And I, I, I've written an article recently about the West Coast Computer Fair, again, over on the Lunduke Journal. So go go look for that. I mean, that thing's, I mean, that's a legendary uh, computer conference, a really just expo that's down in the Bay Area. It's it's worth it's worth reading about. It's just a fascinating place. Um, so this was getting around, right? And and they got some uh, they, they you know they they got some traction with it and whatnot. Um, but uh, not too long after it hit the market, something occurred, and uh, Steve and Greg Jones, who really started it all, uh, and Steve left and went to work at Microsoft. And so, and Wendon Doss kind of just petered out. I'm not sure at this point who owns Wendon Doss. I'm going to try and get that figured out uh, exactly because it would would be interesting to see if we could get some more information about it. You know, who who owns it, who owns the rights to it. Um, You know, you know, can binary releases be distributed freely now? Is anyone benefiting from this? It would be very cool to be able to do that. It would be really cool to be able to see the source because this was a truly truly advanced thing um now i i kind of want to i want to narrow down on this a little bit because what they built three guys right the three guys were supporting not just three operating systems a vms clone a unix clone and a dos clone all kind of built upon the same more or less framework and whatnot of this uh, operating system toolkit I mean, that is, that's a lot. the The amount of of just amazing stuff they did was just just off the charts. And uh, and then Steve Steve Jones, who was was really kind enough to talk to me, and uh, and kind of give me his little uh, tidbits of history on this. Uh, so he went to work over at Microsoft, and uh, <laughs> this is really cool. He says, "quote I got to work for Dave Cutler." and really feel like I apprenticed with him. It was a fantastic experience working for the man. And he puts that all in caps there. Uh, so again, Dave Cutler, um, who who Steve Jones was so inspired by back in high school, it, so much so that he went and created his own little, little PC VMS clone that spawned all the rest of the work that, that he did for, for Wendon DOS and PC Unix and the operating system toolkit and all of that, he ended up getting to work for him. And then he says this, funny little story. As I roamed the Microsoft hallways in building two on my first day, I ran into Larry Osterman's office with his bulletin board outside. On the bulletin board was posted our Wendon quote love letter, which was something we sent out because we were delaying shipment of Wendon DOS while we were processing all those bugs. I would love to get a copy of that love letter. Um, on the form letter, Larry had written, 
Guess writing a DOS is harder than you thought. Not surprising, since Larry, Larry Osterman, wrote DOS 4, the multitasking version of MS-DOS that never really went anywhere, but was pretty ambitious at the time. We were largely solving the same problems, though he had full MS-DOS 3.31 source code, a great version of DOS, and we had our debugger to work with. Larry and I had a good laugh about it. Tim Patterson, the original 86 DOS implementer, had an office across the hall. So, okay. All right. Uh, we almost need a whole secondary side note for that chunk alone. So Larry Osterman uh, is one of the guys behind MS-DOS 4, which, as he points out, was kind of this multitasking version of DOS that Microsoft made. And... Um, if you've ever used MS-DOS 5 and 6, you know that they didn't stick with that whole multitasking thing. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that's, that's super cool that they, had, they got to have a little, a little, little uh, comical confrontation about it. And then also with Tim Patterson there, who was uh, the guy behind the Quick and Dirty Operating System, or QDOS, or Quick and Dirty DOS, or Quick and Dirty OS, um, also known as 86DOS, um, the one that became MS-DOS. This is the one that, that, that Bill Gates went to and bought so he could sell it to, to IBM <laughs> or, or license it to IBM. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Now, here's the thing. Uh, getting Wendon DOS to run it is... Uh, so you can find it. Uh, Wendon DOS 2.11 exists on the internet. Um, I don't know the legal status of exactly who owns it and exactly what they want to do with it and what the rights are currently are. I don't know any of that, so I, I don't want to accidentally do something I shouldn't do here. But I'm sure you can find Wendon DOS, which I don't believe most people have even heard of in a very long time, uh, out there on the internet if you if you do really, really, really good Bing and Google searches and whatnot. That said, um, I, I tried it under VirtualBox. I have not tried it under QEMU yet, um, but I'm, I expect I would get much better experience under QEMU because you can make that... Uh, make that... Uh, uh, what am I? What am I trying to say? Emulate the the ancient hardware. <laughs> I guess it's not that ancient, uh, but the 1980s hardware a little bit more accurately. Um, under VirtualBox, I did run into a couple of issues. It more or less booted and worked, but like when trying to install it, I had some some critical errors pop up. And uh, anyway, anyway, so I'm going to be going into that in far more detail uh, in the next round. Uh, there are there are some ways around all that. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, that's all to say this is all worth looking at. This is all worth playing around with. It's very, very cool. Um, and I, I hope I hope more information about Wendon comes to light. I hope that more people talk about it, and I and I hope that uh, I can get more information from from all the people involved, and uh, and maybe even the company that currently has ownership of it, or the person that has ownership of it, um, can can release some of the documents and source code or binaries or or whatever. I mean, because this is this stuff deserves to be like in a computer museum. It is it is absolutely absolutely amazing and it is it boggles my mind that there's so little documentation about Wendon DOS out there uh, or or PC Unix or PC VMS there's just an astounding lack of of good historical data around this and it it's it's one of those things that could have been 
stellar. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? This again was five years, five years before Linux started. What would have happened if these systems, PC Unix and Wendon DOS in particular, but think about that PC Unix, if they, if they, a somewhat open source base, I mean, it wasn't, they didn't call it open source. It was, you know, source code available sort of a thing. And a Unix clone with some, some, some level of DOS compatibility on a, on a PC compatible hardware before Linux, half a decade before Linux, if it had continued on through Linux's life and beyond, what would have happened to, to PC Unix or PCNX as it became called? After the letter from AT&T. I don't know. It's fascinating to think about. Absolutely fascinating to think about. You know, you there's so many companies, some of them big, some of them small. I mean, the Wendon Doss guys are a great example. And then there's the the digital research guys and Gary Kildall and all them. There's there's so many little little clusters of just pure genius out there that did some truly amazing things throughout the 1980s and into the early 90s. Um, but what, what could have happened if so many of those had been afforded the opportunity to continue on and keep doing what they were doing? I, 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 my, my brain runs wild. I fantasize about it all the time. <laughs> it's just amazing. Anyway, uh, go read the article. I'm going to have some follow-ups to this on, uh, on PC VMS, PC Unix, uh, and Wendon DOS. So I've got some work to do on the Wendon DOS one. Uh, but uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, either way, come join us over in the Lunduke Journal, lunduke.substack.com, lunduke.locals.com, all of that. Join us. Hang out with us. It's crazy super cheap right now. Just go sign up. It's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's cheap enough. It's $10 a year. You don't even have to ask your wife <laughs> or your husband or whoever. <laughs> Anyway, everybody, I hope you're having a great time. Hope you're getting to do something really nerdy this week because you deserve it. Oh, you deserve it so much. So do I. We deserve to get to play around with nerdy stuff. This is what I'm playing with this week because it just sounds like a ton of fun. Uh, so anyway, uh, love y'all and I will see you a little bit later.